Hello and welcome to episode number six of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast. I'm your host, Sir Dr. J.M., and I'm here to take you through everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We are currently working on getting the podcast on other services as well. However, I'm not working very hard on it, clearly. In case you're new around here, this podcast looks at everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. We like to start with a section where we dive into the latest and greatest news happening. Then we typically look at the previous week in the Overwatch League, looking at all the matches and how the teams did. And finally, we move on to a section called Owl Flying At You, where we dive into the upcoming week in the Overwatch League. Now, because of some of the news stories this week, we actually don't have those last two segments. However, let's dive into the news to find out why. But before we do that, I actually wanted to touch on something I had talked about in my previous episode. As I had mentioned, last week's episode was a little delayed because of some life events and happenings and things going on. However, once I got that episode up, I figured, hey, maybe I won't make an episode this coming week because it went up so late. I believe I actually published a Sunday after the Overwatch League matches had completed. I might have published it Monday. Anyways, I normally record on Tuesday, Wednesday, and so really there was only a day or two in between that, so I figured I probably wouldn't be putting out an episode this week. However, there was then some breaking news, which we're going to cover shortly. Um, due to that news, which came out on Wednesday, March 11th, I actually considered doing a breaking news sort of episode with just, you know, one or two stories about things that were happening. However, I wound up not doing that. And as the week went on, it turned out that that was a good idea because I would have had to publish a number of addendums or another episode after that to uh, expand on the news even more because it just sort of kept growing and changing. So without further ado, I'm going to start chronologically and go for the oldest story in terms of uh, how things relate, just because that way this will make sense. So first story reads like this. Overwatch League homestands cancelled for March and April. This was posted on the Overwatch League website by Blizzard Entertainment. As I mentioned, this was March 11th. So it read something like this. The health and safety of employees, fans, players, teams, and partners is paramount to Activision Blizzard Esports. We are continuing to closely monitor COVID-19, brackets, coronavirus, city-level recommendations and mandates, and all guidelines set forth by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. After careful review and working in close collaboration with our teams, we are cancelling all Overwatch League events scheduled for March and April. For more details on these specific events, please visit host team websites and follow their social channels. Concurrently, we are working hand-in-hand -hand with our teams to see that all matches are played when it's safe and logistically feasible, staying as close to our originally planned schedule as possible. We are considering the various options available to esports in this effort so that all teams, including those previously impacted by scheduling changes in China, can get back to doing what they do best. No adjustments have been made for any other scheduled Overwatch League events. We will share additional updates as needed. Now, this was posted March 11th on Wednesday, as I mentioned, which was a big deal. I was at work, I got a text from my wife saying Overwatch League is cancelled, and she sent me this article. I was shocked, and like I say, this almost prompted me to do a sort of 
breaking news emergency episode. That said, I was lazy. I did not. And then, two days later, on March 13th, which would have been Friday, an update came out. Again, posted on overwatchleague.com by Blizzard Entertainment, it reads something like this. Overwatch League matches moving online. Earlier this week, we canceled Overwatch League homestand events for March and April, and today we're announcing that those matches will be played live in an online format. Online play allows us to prioritize the health and safety of our entire community, while still continuing to bring fans high-quality entertainment and competition. We expect matches to resume online beginning March 21st. We're currently working on a revamped match schedule that will allow teams around the world to begin competing in March while minimizing latency concerns. We will structure the March and April matches with teams competing within three groups based on regional geography. A revised match schedule will be shared next week. All matches will be broadcast live on YouTube and available on demand. We plan to return to team-hosted homestand competitions in front of live audiences as soon as it is safe and logistically possible. Because many of our teams and players haven't yet played, we will be moving All-Star Weekend to after the 2020 season and cancelling the mid-season tournament. Further All-Star details will be announced in the future. So, as you can see, there's a decent reason why I held off on, well, I mean it worked out is what I should say, that I held off on recording that emergency episode because two days after they cancelled the games, they posted this. Now, had I recorded this on Wednesday or Thursday, I would have said, you know, it'll be interesting because I'm sure they'll have to reschedule these matches because two months of games is quite a bit, especially with some of the teams that still have yet to play. However, I would have also said, you know, chances are they'll probably do it online or they'll bring it all to LA like they have before or like they had in previous seasons or something like that. Now, obviously with this, that's exactly what they're doing. I'm not the LA part, but doing the matches online, which makes sense because I mean, Overwatch is really an online game. So why wouldn't they be able to do it? My guess is they'll probably have some, whatever you want to call it, um, private servers either spun up by Blizzard or using Activision's backbone or something like that so that these games can be hosted privately so that it takes away that element of um, lag and latency and things like that. And they can reliably say, okay, we have this, this speed of connection on both ends. Teams should be good. I would imagine when they, when they eventually do that, they'll probably have many, many teams monitoring the latency and uh, the network connection on both ends to make sure that none of that comes into play as it might when you're you know, playing Overwatch online at your home or something to that extent. And obviously, I mean, this isn't an uncommon thing either. There are internet cafes where that's exactly what they do. You know, they let you come and either pay a fee to play for X amount of hours or whatever it is. And uh, they kind of guarantee that steady connection. So very happy to hear that. Um, other interesting things to highlight from that, obviously, are the All-Star Weekend being moved till after the 2020 season, as well as canceling the mid-season tournament. Canceling the mid-season tournament is um, a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, I mean, that mid-season tournament was a little bit weird, if you ask me. It kind of harkens to, say, the NHL and the All-Stars tournament, which, I mean, I guess they also have an All-Stars tournament. It, it's a little weird, maybe more akin to the Winter Classic or something like that. 
where it's sort of a special tournament thing that I guess is, is an outlier from the season kind of thing. Um, so anyways, it'll be interesting to see when the All-Star Weekend comes. I kind of think that that's not the worst idea because it would allow them to, um, you know, draw attention to the Overwatch League outside of the regular Overwatch League season if they do the uh, All-Star Tournament, you know, maybe maybe a month out after, after the Grand Finals or something like that. It just kind of keeps it present in people's minds and, and draws attention to the league again, which I don't think is necessarily bad. The mid-season tournament, I w although I say it's weird, I was looking forward to it just to kind of see how it turned out. But, you know, at this point, um, we've had so many matches canceled and we've had so many matches postponed and everything. Honestly, at this point, I'm just glad that we're going to be getting um, what seems like a full season with them bringing some of these matches online. And also, I mean, this, this level of thing going on with coronavirus, pandemic, I guess, is relatively unheard of. You know, this is, this is the kind of thing, especially with how bad it's gotten, um, this is the kind of thing that I would argue is almost a once in a lifetime kind of thing for a lot of people. Um, so the fact that they're having to adapt to this is going to be good because it means in the future, they'll have these plans sort of as a, a backup in case something like this happens again. And they'll be able to look back and say, well, here's what we did back in, you know, 2020. And if they have to do that again, they can reliably look back and say, here's what worked, here's what didn't, and set themselves up for success. Whereas I think this year, it largely caught everyone somewhat off guard. Now, moving on from that, but related to that story, I did, oh, actually one other thing I want to touch on from that story. Uh, Blizzard had said, we expect matches to resume online beginning March 21st. So looking at March 21st, I'm recording on March 14th, that is a Saturday, so one week from today. So very exciting because it means we will have our Overwatch League back next weekend. So call this an early season break. Anyways, next story I wanted to touch on was the story that I didn't pull up, but I've got it up here now. Um, it is from .esports.com, posted by Liz Richardson, and it reads like this. Every Overwatch League homestand affected by coronavirus cancellation. So now, before I get into reading her story, I wanted to bring this up because I think this does highlight the games that, as the title of the article implies, games that have been canceled due to coronavirus. And it's just kind of a nice look at the impact that um, we have seen because of this, this pandemic. So just pulling a little bit from her article, reads like this. The announcement affects, uh, this was regarding the cancellations because this was posted prior to the uh, uh, rescheduling and everything. The announcement affects 11 homestands and one unclaimed event that included Pacific West teams. We've compiled the full list of homestands affected by today's announcement, as well as statements released by each team related to their individual events. So the list goes, Florida Mayhem, March 5th, 14th and 15th, hosted in Miami. That would have been this weekend would have been cool. Atlanta Rain, March 21st and 22nd, hosted in Atlanta. San Francisco Shock, March 28th and 29th, hosted in Berkeley, California. London Spitfire, March 28th and 29th, hosted in Wembley, London, UK. Dallas Fuel, April 4th and 5th, hosted in Dallas. Washington Justice, April 4th and 5th, hosted in Washington, DC. Paris Eternal, April 11th and 12th, hosted in Paris. 
a homestand, homestand labeled, quote, to be announced, that included Pacific West teams April 11th and 12th, hosted in an unknown venue. Toronto Defiant April 18th to 19th, hosted in Toronto, Ontario. LA Valiant April 18th to 19th, hosted in Los Angeles. Dallas Fuel April 25th to 26th, hosted in Dallas. Boston Uprising April 25th to 26th, hosted in Boston. The mid-season tournament, which had not yet chosen a venue or date, would have been scheduled for the last week of April. This list does not include the previous homestands that were cancelled in February and March. Those homestands would have taken place in Shanghai, Gangzhou, and Hangzhou in China and Seoul, South Korea. The previous six cancelled homestands account for 33 individual matches. Today's cancellations cancellation added another 68 games to the postponed match list. As at last count, 101 matches have been affected by the coronavirus. So I wanted to bring that story up because it highlights not only the sheer number of events that were postponed or cancelled, um, a few of them, you know, being in either places that they've already hosted or a few of them being, um, you know, repeating teams. So Dallas Fuel on April 4th and 5th, as well as Dow Dallas Fuel on April 25th to 26th, right? They would have been missing out on two homestands. Um, and then, I mean, Washington has another homestand, which we've already seen games in Washington. Um, I think LA has a few in there as well. So that kind of highlights the, uh, you know, all of the, the games that have been canceled. And as I mentioned, at last count, 101 matches have been affected by the coronavirus. That is crazy and unprecedented. Like I say, if, uh, you know, if you're experiencing this coronavirus, not, not, not if you're, you've come down with the sickness or anything like that, but if you are living in this day and age and you are listening to this podcast, just be conscious of the fact that you may never see something like this again. I know when I was growing up, we had SARS. Um, I mean, in more recent memory, we had Ebola, we had Zika, you know, there's always these crazy uh, viruses and everything that go around. But I don't think I've ever seen anything like this, especially being in the workforce, you know, in, I think I've mentioned before, working in downtown Calgary. Um, you know, it is like in a lot of ways a mass exodus right now where people are working from home. Companies are shutting down their entire offices downtown and, and things like that. So certainly something I've never seen before and something I don't think a lot of people will have seen before and hopefully something that we won't see again. Now then, in lighter news... The next story I wanted to bring up is the newest event in Overwatch. That's up. Um, so this is again from .esports.com because I find they're usually the best source for just totally unbiased news and everything. So I usually go to them and pull the stories from there. This one is posted by Pedro Perez and the article looks like this. Overwatch's archives event doesn't feature new assignments, but adds challenge missions. So announced a few days ago um, was the fact that the Archives event is back. It is running from March 12th to April 2nd. And as uh, Pedro mentions in his article here, it's a little different than previous Archive events just because they haven't added new actual story missions or, or those kind of, you know, um, non-competitive missions. They've, they've added the uh, challenges, the weekly challenges, similar to the Mar Mardi Gras event and the ones that came before it. So I'll read a little bit of Pedro's article here. 
Overwatch's Archives event doesn't include new missions this year, but it still has a surprise. Blizzard added a series of challenge missions to the mix. They don't change the purpose of each operation, but do interfere with how it's played. Each assignment has two possible challenge missions, each with an added twist. Extra effects can range from decreased health and increased damage to a headshot-only mode. The rotation kicks off with the King's Row Uprising. In the game's universe, Uprising was Tracer's first mission for Overwatch. Players have two choices. Molten Cores makes enemies drop lava upon dying, while Glass Cannon increases players' damage at the expense of their health bar. Most of the four base heroes, Tracer, Mercy, Reinhardt, and Torb, can find themselves in tricky situations if they aren't careful. Reinhardt must move with his shield up to avoid lava, and Tracer and Mercy need to be aware of their locations and trajectories when using their mobility skills. The mission itself is harder than others, which adds complexity to the mix. For the second week, players can dive into the Venetian Canals when the challenge mission for Rialto. Oh, whoops. When the challenge missions reach Rialto. Retribution features an extraction operation gone wrong, and players must use their best special agent skills to complete the challenges. The two challenges will make you feel like an Overwatch version of John Wick. With Surgical Strike, the only way to damage enemies is with critical hits. It's unclear how that rule will interact with Moira, who can't land headshots. The description of Close Quarters says that enemies can only be killed if a player is nearby. McCree or even Genji won't be able to snipe their opponents, and Moira's orbs may have to be used in close proximity. Week 3 will upend Operation Storm Rising added in last year's archives. The Blood Moon Rising challenge gives players life drain, but seemingly removes support heroes from the mission based on its description. Storm Raging makes some enemies enter a berserk state, and killing them spreads it to other foes. The lack of a new story mission doesn't come as a surprise. During a panel at BlizzCon, game director Jeff Kaplan announced that the developers were saving new story missions for Overwatch 2, which he called, quote, the better storytelling experience. The Archives event runs until April 2nd. Players have until then to dive into the new challenge modes, get the remaining achievements from the base missions, or obtain limited-time cosmetics. Skins from previous Archives events are also in the Hero Gallery until April 2nd. So, uh, some interesting twists to this event. Um, as, uh, as Pedro pointed out there, the reason that they didn't actually add any new um, story elements is because they're kind of saving them at this point, which uh, feels like maybe a little bit of a ripoff, but I think this is kind of a nice balance where they've... Um, where they're giving some other challenges in order to kind of make up for that, and some unique things that, you know, we've never really seen them do before. Um, pulling a little bit from the experimental or from the, uh, what do you call it? Custom game modes, that's what I'm looking for. Um, but regardless, I think it sounds pretty fun and it should be pretty cool. There are also, of course, um, a handful of new skins in this event, which, let me just see if I can pull them up here real quick. Alright, I've got a couple of them here. Um, looks like there's a new skin for Zarya, which I actually... I think I like it. It's kind of cool. Um, there's a new badass skin for Ana, as well as a new one for Farah. Those two are very nice looking, especially the Farah one. Um, there's also a new skin for everyone's favorite Aussie, Junkrat. I believe it's called King Jameson, which uh, does look totally awesome, and I'll definitely try and get that. There's also a skin for Torb, if I'm not mistaken. There's a skin for Roadhog. Um, 
And then of course, with the weekly challenges, there's also a few more skins. There's one called Holy Symmetra, Holy Symmetra, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Then there's oh, the Torbjorn one that I mentioned, as well as an epic one for May, a final. So if you're interested, check that out. Um, those last three skins that I mentioned, those will be the, um, you know, win nine matches for week one, win nine matches for week two, win nine matches for week three. Um, and the rest are, I believe, just legendary skins um, and things like that. I'm just looking to see if there's anybody that's taking it all. So go ahead and check that out, play it, and see what you can get. Moving on to the next story this week. It is actually a pretty jam-packed um, news week. That said, obviously, because of the second story there with, with the matches being announced to be played online, there's a lot less to discuss because that actually cleared up a lot of the questions that I would have said on the first story, but I digress. The next story I want to talk about is from DottieSports.com, and it is posted by Liz Richardson again. The article reads, Moira and Anna banned in this week's Overwatch competitive hero pools. It's a rough time to be a flex support player in Overwatch. Last week, the game's first hero ban, hero pool bans, I'm sorry, hit competitive mode and took out some wildly popular heroes like Mei and Hanzo. This week, the developers have decided to put pressure on support players to step outside of their comfort zone. Both Ana and Moira are disabled for competitive mode in Overwatch this week. Main tank Reinhardt and DPS Reaper join them as this week's fabulous four heroes on the bench due to hero pools. In the Overwatch League, hero pools are explicitly limited to one tank, one support, and two damage heroes back per week. In competitive mode, there are apparently no such restrictions. Disabling two supports is an unexpected move, considering only seven support heroes exist in the game. Continuing on, uh, Liz speculates a little bit about what people will flex onto. Uh, mentions Baptiste and Brig being played likely, as well as some of the other roles. But anyways, I wanted to bring that up because that's kind of interesting that um, you've got two support characters being banned, which, as Liz pointed out, you know, doesn't happen in the Overwatch League. And honestly, I think that's kind of fair. I think they would have to be consistently two of the same class if that's how they wanted to play it. Um, but, you know, in regular competitive mode, hey, what the hell? Why not, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. The final news story this week relates to Overwatch, however, doesn't super relate to anything that I've mentioned. Um, maybe a little because I touched on Overwatch 2, but it reads like this. It is again from .esports.com, this time posted by Rachel Samples. Overwatch lead writer Michael Chu leaves Blizzard. With over 20 years with Blizzard, Chu has parted ways with the company. Lead Overwatch writer Michael Chu has parted ways with Blizzard Entertainment after having worked with the company on its multiple franchises for over 20 years. Overwatch has been life, a life-changing experience, Chu wrote in his departure letter to the games community. I have always felt that games and the stories they tell have the unique ability to bring people closer together and that the empathy you feel from stepping into someone else's shoes, even virtually, can bridge the gap between miles, cultures, and nations. Overwatch and its constantly generous and inspiring community have only reinforced that belief. Prior to his time on the Overwatch team, Chu worked on other Blizzard titles including, including World of Warcraft, Diablo 3, and Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic to the Sith Lords. Sorry about that. 
He became well-known across the Overwatch community for engaging with fans and sharing tidbits on the characters included in the fictional universe. Choose Departure comes ahead of the release of Overwatch's sequel, Overwatch 2, although the sequel will feature all of the characters, maps, and game modes offered with the base game. Overwatch 2 is centered around more lore-based content, such as story-driven campaigns and co-op modes. Blizzard has yet to announce an official release date for the sequel. Blah, 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 blah. Cool. So the reason I wanted to bring that up, as they highlighted there, is because of Overwatch 2. Um, it'll definitely be interesting with someone of that caliber stepping away. It definitely begs the question, what's going on with Overwatch 2? Um, you know, you would assume that him, that Michael Chu being lead writer on Overwatch means he probably would have been lead writer on Overwatch 2. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen because of all the lore and, and expectations that I think fans have for the story that we're supposed to get in Overwatch 2. Regardless, obviously, it'll be interesting to see as well where Michael lands. And I think we will, you know, guessing he'll probably take a bit of a break. But if he stays in the world of video games, whoever ends up grabbing him will be um, happy with him, I'm sure. Then next up, we would normally go into the Overwatch League recap. Of course, as we know, there were no Overwatch League games um, this weekend for me to talk about. There were this past weekend, but as I mentioned earlier, the previous episode, episode five that I recorded, actually recorded right after those episodes, or those games, sorry, so that I could cover them. So being that there were no matches today, Saturday, and there will be none tomorrow, I'll move right on into the next segment that I like to call Owl Flying At Ya. Those were some owl noises as the owl flew at you. The reason I normally do this is because I usually save this moment to look at the next week um, in Overwatch League games. However, if I look at the current week, week six, or if I jump over to the next week, week seven, it actually turns out that there are no games, as I covered already. If you look from weeks 6 to 12, the schedule is actually very depressingly empty. And that is very sad. Um, however, as I mentioned, it sounds like we're going to have games this coming weekend. So who knows what games they will be. Um, because this schedule actually shows nothing, I'm guessing they're going to rework all the games that had previously been cancelled, and as well as probably some of the ones that should have been uh, during week six or seven, and they'll probably kind of mash them up. However, I mean, it all depends on the schedules of the teams and everything like that. That said, let's take a quick look at the standings. So looking at the standings here, in the number one position is my wonderful Vancouver Titans. Obviously, this is, again, a little bit skewed. I think I talked about this last week. The Vancouver Titans in the first spot and the San Francisco Shock in the second spot. Uh, Vancouver with two wins, zero losses. San Francisco with one win, zero losses. The two teams between them, I mean, they only have three games played. Vancouver has won both their games, so they have two games played, two wins. San Francisco won their only game. They have one game played, one win. So, not unexpected to see them at the top. However, definitely a little bit skewed to see them at the top. Honestly, the standings are probably more realistic if you look at positions, I mean, 
3 through 13, and then you may be throwing 19 and 20 there. And the reason for that is because of all the cancellations and everything. Obviously, there's a big gap there between we, uh, position 14 and 19, as well as 1 and 2. And that's because all those teams are uh, Pacific Division teams, which have missed a ton of their games because they were in China or Seoul or wherever that they should have been played but weren't. So, not unexpected to see those two teams at the top because they've won their only games. But if we jump to position three where the New York Excelsior sit, we see them with five wins, one loss. And we also see the Philadelphia Fusion right below them with five wins, one loss. The only reason Philly is in fourth and not third is because the map differential, which is only different by one point as well. So they're looking pretty in our, in really our realistic first two positions with Paris in third with four wins, two losses. So all of those teams have played six games. The only team to have played more games than that is Houston in 11 with two wins, five losses, and a total of seven matches played. Now, looking at the other teams, I mean, Atlanta is in sixth, below Paris in fifth. Then it goes London, LA Valiant, Florida, Washington, Houston, Toronto, Boston. And then we have all those all those uh, teams that have yet to play, as well as in 19th, the LA Gladiators and the Dallas Fuel in 20th. Now, even LA in 19th and Dallas in 20, those results are a little bit skewed in a similar way to Vancouver and San Francisco because LA in 19th only played one game and they lost it. Dallas in 20th only played two games and they lost both. So, you know, you can pretty much throw out spots 14 on as well as spots one and two, and say that right now the league really consists of three to 13. So New York, Philly, Paris, Atlanta, London, LA Valiant, Florida, Washington, Houston, Toronto, Boston. It's really too bad because we've only seen, how many is that, uh, three through 13? We've only seen 10 teams really play. Um, yes, Vancouver's played two, and yes, Dallas has played two, but two games in a much larger season is such a small sample that I don't think you can really base much off of that. So hopefully, 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 hopefully we see some of these teams that haven't played much or haven't played at all playing very, very soon. I'm sure they are itching to get back to it. I'm sure they would love to get back to it, especially some of these, um, some of the teams that really haven't even gotten a chance to play. I know there were high hopes for Shanghai and Seoul this year. Um, I know both of those teams, I follow them on social media and they've been, uh, they were quite excited to play and looking, looking pretty good to me, if you ask me. So anyways, looking forward to seeing some of these teams get back. I really want to see my Vancouver Titans back in action. I was looking, so looking forward to them playing. And so far they had missed the cancellations. They just had a big gap between the first couple, the first week and their next week playing. But now obviously we're just waiting. And, you know, it'll be very interesting, very exciting to see San Francisco play some more again, even though I hate them, but it'll be interesting because they are our former champions. So that's a quick look at the standings. Um, as I had mentioned, you know, I talked about the standings last weekend as well after, after those games had just happened. So there just isn't really a ton to discuss, um, especially being that no other games have happened. So I think that's where I'll close the show today. 
Um, once again, this was a very short, condensed, we'll call it, news-packed, but not much else-packed episode of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want to follow me. I'm generally on there as Sir Dr. JM. And I would love it if you came and dropped me a line, gave me some feedback, told me whatever you want to tell me, and maybe we'll get into a nice civil conversation because that often happens on the internet. Now, as I mentioned, this is this was episode number six of One Man Watchpoint. You can catch us here next week. I'm still playing with the schedule a little bit just because of the last week's um, forcing me to, but I'll post this one when I post it. Thanks a lot.